I'm Andrew Sherman. I'm a Texas transplant who has always been in pursuit of art as a career. I've played in bands, pursued an acting career in Hollywood, but I found it behind the lens of a camera here in Dallas, Texas. I was born in New York, I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, but I love Dallas. There's a magical artistic scene in Dallas that mostly goes unnoticed to the outside world. This podcast is focused on what makes it so special and the people who make it thrive artistically. If you don't live here, and even if you do, you might not have heard of them. This is the Dallas Famous Podcast. So who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you're all gone? Who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you're all us? Yeah. This week on the Dallas Famous Podcast, we're introducing a new thing. Power Couples. Just like the podcast name, Power Couples is part tongue-in-cheek, part serious, but mostly it's a fun way to hear from creative Dallas couples who are making it happen. For our first installment, we have journalists Carly May and Garrett Gravely. Both work for the Dallas Observer, among other local pubs, and Carly is a fantastic photographer. Garrett is a law student who also used to book rubber gloves in Denton and writes when he can for the Observer. Carly is a boy genius super fan and Taylor Swift scholar. We really get into the story and talk about what they like to change about Dallas music and even concert etiquette. I know you'll enjoy this one with Carly and Garrett Gravely. Hello, we are back here on Dallas Famous Podcast from my lovely living room. We've got our first power couple episode. <laughs> A little tongue-in-cheek, but also not. Um, it's Carly Mae Gravely. And, did I say it wrong? No, that's right. Okay, quick. I asked you before, and then I still didn't even trust myself. And we got Garrett. Yeah, people pronounce it gravely like all the time, so I mean, okay, yeah, but okay. you you pronounce it right, yeah, it's gravely. Excellent. I take it more personally than he does because it's it's I'm new to being a gravely, but he's used to it. Right. <laughs> so. Understandable. I mean, let's just okay. Well, on all of them, I start with, are you guys? You're from Dallas, yes? Yes. You were from Oklahoma? No. No, where are you from? Um, I was born in Arkansas. Oh, okay. Um, but my dad was in the Air Force, so I lived a bunch of places. Uh, I see. Mm-hmm. So how did you land in Texas? So we moved to San Antonio when I was like 12. And uh, that is where, that's the city where my ch- parents chose to get divorced. Mm. So. <laughs> okay. Significant, uh, that, I guess. So, um, so I, I stayed there with my mom and, and my dad continued to move uh, for his career. And um, and then after high school, I went to UNT, and my mom also moved up to the area to um, be with my stepdad, and uh, I live here now. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, how did you decide on UNT? Um, I was going to be a film major at first. Okay. So and I, um, they have a, a really. Um, it was called the radio TV film program at the time. Um, it's called Media Arts now, I think. But um, they changed it. Yeah. Yeah, because people still say RTBF. So. I, I, I think it's like it's it's like how we still say the Bomb Factory, though. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so I was a, I was a film major, but I only went there for a semester. Um, I, I dropped out. So uh, okay, mm-hmm. but then that's right, Texas. Yeah, but I, I stuck in the area. So okay. I forgot to even say that you guys are journalists, photojournalist, writer. Um, I mean, we're gonna get more into what you consider yourselves but like just for the purposes of like why are you on as a park couple because you guys both cover a lot of stuff in town so that's yeah. why I yeah. to be on. 
Um, and you're from Dallas, then you ended up in Denton too, is that right? Yeah, so I was born in Dallas proper, but uh, my family lives around the Sherman area. You know where Sherman is, uh-huh. just north of 75. So I grew up there um, and lived there until I was like 19 or so. Um, when I was 19, I went to UNT and I lived in Denton for like a solid six years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, then moved to Little Elm and then got married. So we moved to Dallas, which is where we currently live. Okay. Did you meet in Dallas? Um, Allen, wasn't it? No, I lived in, um, by the time we met, I lived in Allen. We, we lived in Denton at the same time and had some mutual friends, but we did not know each other. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I guess, how did you meet? Tender. Yeah, we nice. we met we matched on Tinder. Um, we talked. We met up in Allen, where she was living for a drink, um, and yeah, just kind of kept in touch after that. I mean, she was the photographer. That's not when we started dating, though. Yeah, no, oh. it was a little more gradual than that. So basically, um, she was a photographer. I looked at her photos, and she's an amazing photographer. I'm not just saying that because I'm married to her now, but like back then when I didn't even know her in person, I looked You were just saying it because you wanted to sleep with me. <laughs> <laughs> Did it work? Um, I mean, I mean... No. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... We'll get there eventually. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I trust him less than I ever have at this point. Oh, okay, I got you. <laughs> we haven't even held hands yet. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but, um... Gotta prove his so, intentions are pure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... She's... An amazing photographer. I still feel that way, but I felt that way back then. So um, I was doing I was doing concert reviews and all that stuff. I was writing for the Observer, but I was always asked at the time. Paige Skinner was the editor, and she like asked me to take my own photos. And I'm just like the worst photographer. Those <laughs> little iPhone photos were just an eyesore. I still cringe when I think about those. By the way. Um, <laughs> And so I said, hey, do you want to, like, do some photography for these shows? I mean, they can't pay yet, at least, but, you know, you'll do some concert work and everything like that. We'll hang out. And I wasn't just saying that trying to date. Like, she really is a good photographer, and I really did want her to, like, you know, kind of get her feet wet with it. Sure. Because I did, like, believe in her as a photographer. So the first thing you asked me to do, this was before we had formally met in person, you were like... I am doing this, um, it was like the Insane Clown Posse. No, it was um, Shaggy Too Dope from the Insane Clown Posse. And the reason I asked her to do it was because like Juggalos are like the most interesting people to photograph. And I thought, this will be interesting for you. You'll see some very interesting people. Um, the crowd is more interesting than the performer in that regard, which those are like the best shows to photograph, which is why I, I was covering it because, you know, <laughs> being a not juggalo in a crowd full of juggalos as kind of an outsider was sure. like an interesting thing. And it was an interesting story. I thought, you know, you'll probably enjoy it. You'll see some very interesting people. Um, but that's not what you said. You're like, hey, you want to go to this juggalo function? <laughs> <laughs> just and, to go. We, like, we were just still just like messaging at the time. I'd never met him in person. So I was like, no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. But, but did you? I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would have been go. a great first date. Yeah. In hindsight, I know that, but, like, it is nothing against, like, you know, 
like you know Shaggy T. Jope and, and the Juggalo community. I didn't know him. No, that makes <laughs> like, I, that, I wouldn't go to a, a Juggalo show with someone I didn't know. Yeah, either, actually, I, I don't blame you. I mean, because like you didn't really know me all that well, and really like your guard is up whenever you, especially if you meet somebody through Tinder. I I get that there are some scumbag men on Tinder, so some. you don't know that about <laughs> me. So you know, I, I I understand why your guard was up. Right, and I probably could have phrased it a little better in inviting her. I probably could have said, <laughs> I, I probably could have gone into that whole spiel that I just went into a second ago, but I didn't. So right. you know, it worked out though. Yeah, I, I like to think that even though you declined that invitation, things worked out. It's also I, I lived with my parents at the time, and Ev is very much you know still a teenager in their eyes, and it would have been so. Where is this young man taking you? Oh right. <laughs> Oh right, and how do you describe that if they don't understand what that is? Yeah, they didn't, they didn't even yeah. know I was on Tinder at the time, so that's oh. a lot to unpack. Okay, um, okay. Was that so? Had you at that point had you done stuff for the Observer? I had not. I okay. Or so anybody for that He matter. tell he tells the story of like, oh, she was an amazing photographer. I'm like, I'm so glad you feel that way because, um, I by the time we had like matched on Tinder and were like talking, I had done two shows ever. Oh. Um. And I was like, and I was pushing that and I was wanting to do more. And then and that's something we had like, you know, talked about as we were like doing our like formalities and, you know, getting to know each other. But I look back at that work. I'm like, I'm glad he saw something with it and, you know, thought it was worth um, like helping me network or whatever. Cause I'm like, I, I don't stand by any of that's not, that's not on my website anymore. Like, right, um, right. So. Well, okay. So you went to film school for a year and then you're a photographer. Were you doing photography already? No, uh, that's the crazy thing. Um, I was mostly, um, I was there, I wanted to be an editor, but I was also doing screenwriting and I was kind of all over the place, uh, you know, and I I was 18 and I'm like, okay, I have like this creative energy and I'm just gonna explode it all over the place. So I was doing the editing and um, I wrote a I wrote a short film that got produced that semester. I was doing sketch comedy. I was like doing like, uh, bit acting and student film. It was, I was just doing everything and that's why I didn't get very good grades <laughs> like, and then I had to drop out. Um, uh, I see. So, but it wasn't just the grades. It was like, clearly I'm not like focused enough to be doing this mm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, let's take a step back and like right. uh, think about this for like three years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you're, you're, I mean, I, I'm getting this from Facebook, but so you I've studied uh, American history? Yeah, but I got my undergrad in history. I'm currently a law student right now okay. at UNT in That's Dallas. Interesting. And are you planning on just being a lawyer? When yeah. You're like what kind of law? Well, I initially came in wanting to do IP and First Amendment law, but um, as I was in law school, I really took a liking to criminal law. And so that's kind of the direction I'm looking towards. It's still kind of fluid right now because yeah. I just finished my first year. There's still a solid couple of years left. Sure. So um, kind of TBD at the moment, but I think I'm going to go towards criminal and like First Amendment law. There's this um, attorney out of, um, I think she's out of like Louisiana. Her name is Beth Bourdon. She does criminal law. She's a public defender, but she also represents journalists. She'll like, you know, do FOIA related law mm -hmm. and everything. And so she's been able to do both of those things. And so that might be what I'm doing. Like, I'd like to do some criminal work, but also I would love to do like some 
Freedom of Information Act requests and some like defamation law, like defending journalists or just people in general who are accused of defamation. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, those are often used as a weapon to silence them. You know what I mean? Right, right. So I'm guessing when you become a full-time lawyer, you're not going to be a journalist anymore, right? You're not going to play um, or you're going to continue to... Well, I still write, and I I think that I'll be writing even as I'm an attorney. I'm probably not going to be, like, doing the same kind of stuff as frequently as I do now. But, you know, there are a lot of attorneys that do some writing. I actually um, know, I I actually met a guy named Michael Shapiro who was an attorney. He actually worked for SMU's First Amendment Law Clinic, but then Bloomberg Law offered him a job to be a legal reporter and he makes a lot of money doing that so yeah yeah, i mean there are some like attorneys that do writing of that sort um and there are like a handful of journalists that go to law school after the fact um they're not like the majority by any means but they exist so i think that i mean I don't know what my post-law school career is going to look like, but there's a lot of opportunities there. And I could definitely write even while I'm a lawyer. So sure. I don't know. We'll yeah. see where it goes. Okay. You know, and I realized going back to Carly, you didn't actually uh, talk about your first, like how you started taking photos. Oh, that's, um, that's kind of a weird story, actually, because I did have um, a camera that I was using at UNT, but I was not... Uh, I would never have called myself a photographer. I look back now, I'm like, oh, I was exhibiting photographer behavior. But I would have, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have, um, that's, that's not something that was really on my radar. Um, but I was uh, living at home for a while. And like, I, um, I have bipolar disorder. Um, so part of the living at home was like, okay, uh, you're under like supervision while your mental health like levels out and, and uh, you're not gonna have like, some crazy episode. Um, so during that time, I was, you know, I was very, very like, it was, it was weird because it was stable, but it was also sad and I was not like happy. Um, and after um, one of my hospitalizations, the last one um, of two, my mom was like lovingly, you need to get out of the house more. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So she was like, um, you should go take like a class at Collin College, uh, just something creative, um, it's something to do, you might make friends, and you already have that camera that you're not using <laughs> that you took to film school with you, so maybe you should take a photography class or something. And that, and she just, I, that was like off the top of her head, like I don't know what my life would look like if she was at a cooking class or a dance class, but, huh. yeah. um, but I go and I'm in like, I'm in like photo one at Collin College, and I'm 21 at the time, and everyone else is like fresh out of high school, and I'm I'm insecure about that for some reason um, because they're 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 already very talented. They've done some probably like yearbook or whatever at their high school, and I'm just as like amateur, um, new, green as you can be. Um, and in the class, I did not feel like I was very good at it that entire semester. But I, re- I still really enjoyed going, and I had something to look forward to every week. And um, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do the next class. And the next class was portrait one, um, and it was this really like studio intensive, like heavy class. We we're using pro photo equipment, and um, ne- I'd never done anything like it before. And it was, and it was very challenging. But I actually did some stuff that I was proud of in it. I'm like, this is. 
something. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. That's the end of the sentence. This is something. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do something insane. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to declare a major. So I was a commercial photography major at Collin College and I took every class they had and I was in my try anything era. I did product, I did fashion, landscape, um, what have you. And then my, uh, my best friend, Netta, um, had known some people who did, um, like concert stuff and she recommended that I try that as well because as much as I like liked the portrait stuff I was very awkward with posing people I didn't like it um it's not something that comes naturally to me to tell people like to position them a certain way and she's like you got to do more candid stuff you should try doing concerts and I was like that sounds like a lot of fun so I didn't go about it I think the way I should have um I wasn't I wasn't really in touch with like the music scene at all at the time. So I didn't know like, oh, I don't know any local bands. I don't know. I don't know where to start. So any any like small band I liked that was uh, coming through, I would um, try to find their manager or whoever's email and say, can I please, I wasn't even asking for like a pass. I'm like, I'll buy a ticket, but can I please bring my camera? Uh-huh. And, and um, the first uh, band that agreed to it was the Wombats at the Granada Theater, October, 2018. Nice. And I came out of that experience like, this is it. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, I get it. So, Trust me, I get it. And looking back, I'm like, oh, like as much as I joke now, they're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know what he saw in them because I don't, I don't stand by it now. At the time, I was like, this is it. This is the coolest stuff I've ever done. I wanna, I wanna put this on a billboard. I'm so happy with these. Oh yeah. Like, no. So. Well, and, and it was great because like, well, at that time, I was just like, I had just started writing and I was, you know, doing stuff for the Observer and for Central Track, um, and part of that was concert reviews. And like I said i didn't want to keep taking those crappy iphone photos so i still think that those earlier like those earlier photos are great i know you don't stand by them because you've like improved so much over the years but like the ones i did with you i stand by quite a few of them but the yeah. ones you saw when we were like first getting to know each other i was like what was okay. the, what was the one assignment that made you feel like this was a profession um it was actually it was not the wombats themselves um it was their opener barnes courtney Mm. uh he gave me more to work with than that he was more dynamic on stage and it's it's not as easy to tell that i was standing in the same spot the whole time yeah (laughs) (laughs) right so yeah i mean for me because like bands was when i started shooting first and it was just like i love music if you put me on the list i'll shoot you for free and Mm -hmm. and bands like unlike people like I because I do portraits too I do events and like 85% of the people 90% of the people are like I don't want my photo taken right. and you're like thanks for coming um, so with bands like they don't say they don't I think I've had one band member in all the time I did it where I was like hey can you get in the light and he walked into the dark and I was like okay never mind I won't shoot you but um, anyway so you thanks for taking over the interview that was oh, my yeah, question I, no, no, I please. was genuinely curious no I appreciate it, it <laughs> to, to do my job. well let's go back we, let's go back to you a little your history like what what made you start writing like not just for fun but like you know well actually it was a little um later than some people think because like i so i went to unt in like 2013 i had wanted to so I actually started off as a concert promoter. I was booking these like DIYs just by Buddy Albert. Um, we were doing like house shows. We did some shows at rubber clubs. Um, 
what started off as like just doing these DIY shows with like these small touring bands that drew like 20 people. Like I started working with agents eventually and Josh, the then owner of Rubber Gloves, liked what I was doing. So he offered me a job running the calendar of Rubber Gloves. So I took that job in 2015 up until it closed in 2016. So I did like the farewell weekend for gloves back then. Um, after that, I worked... Um, at Dan Silverleaf doing the shows that I basically did at Rubber Gloves, but just bring them there instead because Dan wanted to, you know, he, he really liked the shows that I was doing. He went to Gloves a few times where he loved this stuff there. And he said, you know, I'd love to like have you do shows there. So we did, and I did that for a couple of years. But 2018, I stopped. I um, got really burnt out with booking, which I was getting burnt out for quite a bit. It's a tough job. It is. It's a very, I mean, I, I, and you know, I think I said this the other day, I'm like very proud of the shows that I did, but it just, it got to be too much. It really did kind of leave me jaded. Um, so I was at Dan's just kind of having a drink and Simone Carter, um, she was the bartender there and we were just talking. We were the only two people in the bar. And I basically just confided in her saying, you know, I'm kind of at a crossroads. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life from here on. Like I have this corporate job that I'm not going to have much of a future with. Um, you know, I don't know where I'm going to take my career. So she said, you should be a writer. You would be a very good writer. I mean, I've seen your, like, I've seen you write on like social media and everything like that. You are a good writer. You have experiences that would make you stand out. You should do some writing, um, for like the Dallas Observer. So I took her in, I took her word on that. Um, and one day I just, I, I realized I didn't have any writing samples. So I just like, I had seen the Jesus Lizard in Austin that weekend. So I thought I would write like this quote unquote concert review about it. Not intended for publication, but I wrote it as if I was reviewing the show. So I wrote this review of the Jesus Lizard in Austin. And I sent that writing sample to the Observer editor, Paige Skinner, and this was like on a Sunday night, so I didn't expect a response, much less like immediately, but she responded immediately saying, I like this, you're a good writer, uh, feel free to pitch me anytime. So um, from there, I started writing for them, and then like I thought, you know, Pete Friedman is doing a great thing with Central Track. I, I read Central Track a lot, so I talked to him and Corey Graves, and I wanted to write for them too. Central and Track was my first paying job. Yeah. Like, okay. I tagged along with you to some Observer stuff, but it was, like, with, um, like, with, it was with Central Track that I was kind of, like, finally able to, like, come into my own and, like, oh, I'm pitching and I'm doing stuff independent of him and I'm getting paid for it. And it was, um, it was Pete and it was, um, Alex Spicer was the editor, too, that I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm given, I'm given this room to kind of, go go out and learn and 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 then and they're taking it and they're liking it and and, and i'm getting a little bit of guidance there so it was like they did give really good like mm, pete and Corey and alec and all and that like they they all were very like involved in like the growth of their contributors you know what i mean cool yeah i never i mean i know pete but i just i never got to work yeah with no pete taught me a lot like he really did like take an interest like in the direction of my career and her career like mm -hmm. he was very involved with that he really was like very 
personable and he really did take interest in that and you know i look like like i said like a lot of the stuff that i learned i learned from pete so you yes. know cool. we owe a lot to him yeah i'm trying to get him on he said he would do it like three months ago uh, that's gonna be busy. a great episode yeah, hopefully he's, he's got some stories to tell i feel oh, like yeah, yeah. yeah. too harder <laughs> for me it's like I, I i take these baby steps before but with the central track assignments i'm like really stepping out and, t- and taking chances and it wasn't just concerts i did a, a joe biden rally for them um, when he was running for president, it was that one in, at, at, at Gillies, you know, where all the all, all the Democrats, it was their Avengers moment, as I think you wrote it in the article. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think I, I, I think Pete actually wrote that actually whenever he edited the story. I think that was in like the headline or something. I yeah. can't remember. But he said like they came together like it was um, Joe Biden, Amy Klobuchar, Better Work, and like mm-hmm. all these other people. And he said that they came together like some sort of third rate Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But that was a moment for me because it was it was kind of like I was being I think braver than I'd ever been on a photo assignment. So we were the press. This was national, international news. I was there was a team from Tokyo there. Yeah. So this is a big deal, and we were all kind of like pinned at the back of the room. A soundboard is what it would be called at concerts. Um, and then I noticed out of the corner of my eye, some of the photographers are being like kind of rounded up and led away, and I follow them. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I would have stayed if they asked me to stay, but I, they didn't. They didn't, so I just followed them. And uh, they take us. There's like five of us out of all of the ones who came from across the country, and we are uh, photo pit is what it would be at the concert. Yeah, yeah. Um, except uh, there's even less of a barrier. We are at the podium. Uh, as 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 Biden was walking up, he he dropped a piece of paper, and one of the photographers picked it up for him. Wow. And I have a picture of that moment. Wow. Um, so I, I, I had those pictures. I'm like, this is like, so I, I was really proud because like, oh, you know, Central Track and then and this landscape, like this is like the little guy with all these national news outlets. And yeah. and but I but I feel like like my photos like that's that was a moment we, we got the access because I like stepped out and was brave. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's cool, too. I mean, like because Dallas is such a significant city like to have those opportunities, not mm-hmm. just shows. I mean, I got to do one um, Bernie rally. And yeah, I'm like standing next to CNN. I'm like, Jesus. oh, were you at the like that um, Valentine's Day one? It was in Mesquite. Was that it? A- Vandaliers were playing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I was at that one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. cool. I must have been. I, I might have met you at that one. I know I met you one at some point. I, but I feel like 2019 is when I really like really started going to more of these events and i feel like i met people and then forgot who they were over the pandemic yeah so yeah i could see that um, i mean and i'll say this probably happens to you maybe both of you guys but people well you know being a photographer you're just people see you at all the certain shows if you cover a certain kind of music so people will come up to me all the time that i don't really know and they feel like they know you and it's it's cool but it's also like i don't know what to say yeah. Say, you know. For me, it's more like I'm not like approached by people that I don't know at all. But it's like I will. Um, I'm I am horribly face blind. Um, <laughs> so uh, so a mutual on social media that I may have known for years will say, "Hey, it's me." I won't recognize them, but but I'll still be like, "It's you." Yeah. No, I mean that's you got to get really good at just being yeah. diplomatic. Um, so that's this brings up something I didn't even I don't know why I didn't think to ask this mm-hmm. before. How often are you guys like teaming up and working together on stuff? Well, I'm in law school, so I don't really like I don't really even do that much writing, much uh, less concert reviews. I mean, I still do it like if like it's something that's either exciting or like you know if Eva wants me to do it. Because um, the Observer is like I mean, I just do stuff for the Observer, and other than that, I'm a full time law student. Gotcha. So I try to like 
I basically just do stuff with the observer just because I love to be creative and still write. So I do I try to do like enough writing to where my creative ambitions are satisfied, but not so much to where I'm more of a writer than a law student. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Because okay. I just want to get done with law school. So we don't really collaborate as much as we used to, but we have done so. Like, we've written stories together and everything. The last mm. one we wrote together was the 1975 review. Yeah, which is like a year ago. It was um, in November. They're one of her favorite bands, yeah. and she was actually supposed to review that, but... Something, I can't remember what happened. I was really, really sick that day. That's right, And it didn't get confirmed until that day when I was already super sick. And then she got it, like, transferred to you. But I was still, I don't know. I was still, like, I want to, like, power through and contribute because I know more about the band than you do. And we just kind of wrote it together. And Yeah. But the last, um... Like, the last classic, you write, I take photos, I think, was a long time ago. It was Tyler, the Creator. That's right, yeah. yeah. Like the trees or somewhere else? Uh, American no. Airlines. Yeah. No, oh, we didn't show. go to the trees it's one. That was a of my life. Yeah, yeah. I knew about it, too. And I, I love Tyler, the Creator, so I really wanted to go to that show. I was very bummed to miss it. But the American Airlines Center show that he did after that was... It was excellent. It was really good. Like, I... So, yeah, I mean, that was... I think that was the last time that we like like I, like I said I, I don't write as many concert reviews anymore. The classic, if you will. I think one of the last concert reviews I wrote was My Chemical Romance. Mm-hmm. Like it was that long ago. Mm-hmm. But in 2019, we did like everything together. Yeah, and uh, and that's so in 2020 when we actually started dating, people were like. Oh, just now? Yeah. Oh, I see. So you guys were like a working team. and then Yeah. We were best friends. We we were, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're still best friends, but... I would, like... (laughs) I'd like to do some stuff with you again. Um, You know, actually, like, now that we're talking about it, I don't know why it's been so long. I mean, again, I know I don't write as many concert reviews as I used to, but I would totally do it again. But I feel Mm. like ever since I started writing... Uh, I'm more like someone like, well, you just go do both, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to ask you about that because that happened to me. Were you drafted into being a writer? I was. I mean, yes. Um, I was. It was kind of. It was kind of like. My joke is that I was discovered, but I was discovered <laughs> by Eva, who I've known for years. It was kind uh, of like right. you and Simone. I was like, oh, you write on stuff on Facebook all the time. Why don't you just write it for us instead? Yeah. I mean, I've always I've always liked writing. I mean, I did screenwriting, and I I've you know done all sorts of genres. But my problem with it for a long time was like, oh, I'm having to force myself to do this. Mm-hmm. I I like all of my ideas, but like putting it on paper is such a chore for me, and it shouldn't be that way. So I guess I'm not really a writer. And then I start doing like reviews and writing about music and culture, like opinion, whatever, and that just comes more naturally to me for some reason I can write a thousand words in a night and uh, my mom thinks the reason for that is I never have a problem giving my opinion <laughs> right right. I did look at your website I could, do you have a website? no I okay. used to but because okay. uh, I was I, I was going to go back and forth but sorry no no I, I don't have a website anymore so um, so first of all so yeah so you just kind of touched on that you like to write well actually not this exactly you like to write about fan communities like what's up with that yeah that's just i mean that's just from me like me and my like growing up i was um and i feel like i touch on this in my writing and and it's kind of it's becoming a bit of a bit and i don't want it to be a bit but it's true but when i was in high school and and like 15 16 17 i was really active in fan communities on tumblr and it wasn't just for bands it was like tv shows i like too and i've always liked these online communities with like the inside jokes and if i like um 
because like I think the thing I was the most into well, for music it was probably like Arctic Monkeys. So like mm-hmm. in Arctic Monkeys fan communities on Tumblr, all sorts of inside jokes, all sorts of little ways they make fun of the lead singer, but lovingly, of course. Um, so if I were to like encounter someone in real life and it's like, oh, you're in um, the Arctic Monkeys fandom on Tumblr. Boom. That's a conversation. Uh-huh. I think that's cool. Yeah. So okay. you I, saw they're coming, right? Uh, yes. I, yeah. Did you put in for them? <laughs> yes. Okay. I did not. I will not. I will not get in your way. Um, not that I could. Um, all right. Taylor Swift Scholar. Okay, um, uh, uh, that was Eva. Eva Raggio said that. Okay. Um, that I, is the editor of Dallas Observer. We didn't make that clear. But oh, yeah. Don't know. Arts and culture editor of the Dallas Observer, Eva Raggio. Uh, she... I'm trying to remember the context. It would, okay, here it is. So I put in for the Taylor Swift tour the split second it was announced. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, I will probably be covering that because I'm the editor. I'm like, oh, yeah, obviously fair game. Uh, but, you know, I'm just putting myself out there. She's like, oh, but if but if I don't, uh, you know, I'll consider you because you're like our Taylor Swift scholar. <laughs> huh. well, like quite the compliment. And, and I'm like... I guess I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> I think she meant it as one. I, I talk about Taylor Swift all the time, and it's not, like, always complimentary. And I had a friend recently be like, do you... So you you like you like her music, but you're critical of her. Like, what's your what's your thing with Taylor Swift? I'm like, she is my favorite show. Huh. Like, that's, uh-huh. how, that's uh-huh. how I explain it. I'm like, <laughs> I am... Um, whether I agree with her, what she's doing at the moment, or I don't, I'm always intrigued. I'm always watching. Right. <laughs> like, Interesting. So, okay. Um, well, you already mentioned Tumblr. Oh, and I, apparently, according to your website, we need to talk to your mom as well for this interview. <laughs> That's on my um, Observer byline as well. Yes. That's actually a reference to um, uh, Barbara Streisand. Uh-huh. Uh, when she was first in Funny Girl on Broadway, her um, her Playbill bio was like this wall of text about all her different hobbies and things she likes to do and things she's good at that have nothing to do with musical theater uh-huh. and it, it's very like it's like a very like a charming eclectic read and it's like oversharing but in a interesting way and then the last sentence of it is for more personal information write to her mother uh, <laughs> that's funny so that's funny okay so let's maybe okay actually no before we get away from like i'm gonna get to some opinions on dallas but before we get there maybe you have a story of uh, the weirdest reaction you've gotten to one of your stories that's been published? Um, so there's a couple I think that could qualify. I think when I reviewed The Chicks, formerly The Dixie Chicks, that kind of blew up in a way that I think concert reviews um, normally don't get that kind of attention. Um, and I wrote about how I witnessed some people in a, in a section of their show where they were being a little more political, I saw a couple people walk out and uh, people like were like down the line accusing me of like lying about that. <laughs> oh, um, weird, and, like mad. Yeah. And I'm like, and I have the timestamp of when they left and I don't have the timestamp of when they came back because they didn't. So no, you, they weren't going to the bar. What do you know them? Mm-hmm. And I'm also right. like, yeah, my, my, my mom was there and she vouches for me and she's not like... <laughs> She's not. She's. She's not a super political person herself. She doesn't have a any sort of agenda to vouch for me. That's right. just what she saw as well. Right. So. I mean, do you? I don't know. I try not to respond to any of it, but I, mean, I don't respond. I just yeah. read. Yeah. Yeah. I can't help um, but look at it. So I'm, you know. it's it's not healthy to um, read, but it's more healthier than getting in fights. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I think the weirdest reaction. I mean, I don't know about weird, but I've definitely gotten vitriol. I mean, I I think one of the stories that I still get flack for is. Um, 
right before the pandemic, Tool played at the American Airlines Center. Me and Eva actually went to that show together. Um, she, I, I had had a seizure like not too long before then. I couldn't drive, so Eva had to take me, and she really wanted to go to that show. So you know, she was my plus one. Nice. Um, but I wasn't like into the show as much it was just kind of boring i don't know mm-hmm. like and i had listened to tool a lot like for like growing up and everything and it was just like it was kind of disappointing so i wrote an article reflecting that you know and people got furious like mm-hmm. they still get mad like it was to a point where like like it was the most read music story that year for the website and then like when they came back a couple years later David Fletcher um, dear friend of mine wrote a review that was more positive like the headline was something like Tool redeemed themselves and then like well the lead of the story was the last time Tool came through here a reviewer wasn't impressed and he told me people were mad at me because I was saying they had anything to redeem themselves for. Like, Tool fans were mad at both of us. Uh But they were mad at me, and, like, I would always see, like, these stupid, like, websites, like, alternative alternative alternativebronation.net or something would Uh say the Dallas Observer did not like Tool's show. So, for a while, I got a lot of attention for that, but I haven't heard on that, I haven't heard anything from that story in a while. What I've actually been occasionally getting messages for, I did a story. Do you know who Tom McDonald is? I think so. He's like some conservative rapper um, who, you know, had like this YouTube following for a while. And like he had this terrible song called Coronavirus. And I did like a funny story basically talking about that song um, because, you know, COVID was like a new thing. And I was basically just clowning on that song. And then Tom McDonald like had a Fox News interview that really raised his profile. And now he's like huge. So every once in a while, like I'm, I'm like that that story is like a citation on his Wikipedia page. So every once in a while, like a Tom McDonald fan will like reach out to me through Instagram, like saying, oh, fuck you, 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 how, how dare you? You don't know what you're talking like just oh mad. And, and it's like, I'm, I'm nobody. <laughs> I'm just like, I have like 400 Instagram followers. I like, yeah. I'm really, if he, if Tom McDonald cares about me, that says more about him than me, to be honest. Uh-huh. Cause I haven't like, but we were talking about, it. I think he personally made that edit on his Wikipedia page because <laughs> it actually like quoted me saying Garrett Gravely from the Dallas Observer called the song like, uh-huh. so, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a badge of honor, too, though. In a yeah, way. it is. I mean, it's funny. Like, yeah. every once in a while, like, every, well, I haven't gotten an Instagram message from his fans in a minute, but, like, every time I do, I'll, like, tell Carly about it, and, like, I'll, I'll do a, dr- a dramatic reading of it. <laughs> um, I think um, the dumbest, and, like, I think, compared to, like, what the article actually was, I think um, very random response so i i did like an a listicle last year that was like um eight christmas songs like like eight modern christmas songs that that don't suck or whatever and it was just like it's exactly what it sounds like it's just oh here are like eight like original newer christmas songs I, I'm over explaining it. That that's all it is. Um, <laughs> but, um, but one of like on Facebook when I posted it, like a former coworker, this guy I barely know, like th- decided that this was like his opportunity to like flex his indie cred, huh. and he was like, um, 
if you've ever heard of Death Cab for Cutie, uh, they did a cover of Baby Please Come Home. And I just responded, oh, this list isn't covers. And then he says, uh, well, Julian Casablancas has an original. I'm like, and I, so I just, um, <laughs> I responded in like a childish way because it's, it's Facebook and this is someone I actually know. I found that, um, uh, like, I, like this, um, this tweet from when, um, when Stephen Hawking died, Kirstie Alley tweeted, you had a good go at it. Thanks for your input. What? And I just, I just responded with a screenshot of that tweet and then uh, he blocked me and I'm like, right. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I think that death cab is a little better than not sucking. That's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like a, it's a listicle about Christmas songs. It's not like, it's, it's nothing to lose a friendship over. We were friends though. That's the thing. I yeah. barely knew the guy. Well, like, you know, we got enough Facebook friends. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, I was, it was time for a purge anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the one thing I don't like about writing and like, I won't, for me, I've only got crap really about like when I make mistakes on a band mm-hmm. and, uh, which like I realize I'm not a really good fact checker. Like, a, like a like just like a minor fact issue. Yeah, well, that what, happens to all of us. It, though. I mean, I know, but I'm always like, like how did yeah. I miss? Like I just did uh, Love and Rockets, and oh, how was that show? It was unbelievable. It really, I, I mean, it was half empty, which is sad. Oh. But it's just because people don't know them. Peter anymore. Murphy's got a lot of fans here. I'm surprised that it wasn't well attended. Well, he wasn't there. I mean, he's not in that band. Oh, he's not. No, it's Peter Murphy is his own thing, and then the rest yeah. of the guys did Love well, and Rockets. Well, I'm always doing Bauhaus right now. I, I didn't. Well, know no, they didn't. Like they were, they were all going to do Bauhaus, and then he got, he went to rehab, and like that's never going to happen. Now. I think I remember. That. I didn't know yeah. he. Was, I didn't know he was out of Love and Rockets. I I have a lot to keep up. with. Uh, well, yeah, it's been. 20, 30 years, 40 yeah. years. Anyway, but the point is, is the mistake I made was there's like, there was three guys in uh, this band and I, I put the, like two of the guys were from Bauhaus and I had the wrong guy. And the way I found out was the publicist hit me up because some Sydney website stole my entire article, took my name off of it, but left, because I had my name on all the photos, my name kept appearing. And so he's like, first of all, can you correct this? And second of all, how many uh, people are you writing the article for? And I was like, they stole it. I don't even know. Who they yeah. Stole Anyway, look, you guys can look forward to that. That'll be happening too. Yeah, no, I mean, we like, I, I, um, that, that, that happens to all of us though. We'll yeah. always, like, every once in a while we do a story and, like, there's a little minor thing. And, you know, we, we're human beings. We're fallible. There's, like, occasionally sometimes where we have to, I mean, we do corrections for a reason. You open right. the New York Times, they do corrections. Yeah. Like, and I don't like, you know, reach out to me if you ever find an error in one of my stories. I will be glad to correct it and apologize and all that stuff. But I've seen people be dicks about that before. Uh-huh. That's weird to me. Yeah, that is weird. I did a, um, a review for Consequence. It was the Mars Volta. Uh-huh. Um, and obviously, I, w- I was at the show. I wrote the review. I know what city I live in. Uh, but in their... Um, when they posted on Facebook, they made the mistake of saying it was a Houston show. They fixed it. But they were... Uh, there were still like a ton of comments like like why would you let someone review it who wasn't even there who doesn't know what city it's in i'm like why would you comment if you didn't read it because <laughs> that's the most, <laughs> most <laughs> fun that's the most fun of all well we're going we're going along but I, I got just one last question for both of you yeah i'm gonna assume that we enjoy dallas because we live here right? yeah i live here on purpose at this point yeah yeah, yeah me too um so and um, i guess more specifically about the music or the arts community what would you change about it if you could? Hmm, that's a good question. It's tricky, um, I realize, and I'll, I can yeah. edit the space out if I need to. Well, I mean, I think um, 
a friend of mine, Webb, um, who, who works at Rubber Gloves, like said something to me a few years ago that I like. I just noticed that it is always true. I mean, there's always like a pendulum effect with like Deep Ellum versus Denton and Fort Worth. Like mm-hmm. one decade, Deep Ellum is thriving and you know taking all the touring shows away from Denton and Fort Worth, and then the next decade, it's like Denton and Fort Worth um, have dominion, and then Deep Ellum like is having its bus cycle. Mm-hmm. I think right now we're seeing the bus cycle for Deep Ellum like. A lot of venues closing and all that stuff i mean i i think it doesn't really help that like you hear all this hysteria about crime and deep ellum being mm-hmm. so bad meanwhile um a lot of shows are going through fort worth a lot of them are going i mean more fort worth than Denton, but they're still going through both of those cities um that's it's weird keeping up with that you know it's kind of stressful that uh, <laughs> yeah. like and also like i don't know um I, I would also say that, like, in Denton, at least, um, I, 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 I understand that this has changed, but, like, whenever I was in Denton doing shows, um, like, we would do shows at J&J's, and it was, like, a $5 cover, and people would always turn away and not go in because they weren't expecting to pay. Right. Like, people used to be cheap about that. Yeah. Well, honestly... It's people aren't as cheap, but things are more expensive now. The shows are more expensive after the pandemic, so it's it's like the same thing with, but like that people would kill for five dollars shows now. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I think well, like rubber gloves. First off, they're just killing it. They're doing like the best they've ever been. Like you That's know, good. back whenever I was working there, like the vision that we had for it was exactly what they're doing, but they're doing it better. So they're just killing it, and like a lot of their shows are like at the very least like ten bucks or something. I actually played a show there, and that was five bucks but like the lion's share of it's like 10 bucks or more and i don't hear anybody complain about it anymore right. so what i will say i see this and i see this needs to be incorporated at more larger shows smaller shows too but i mean you'll, you'll know what i mean when i say it uh when i was at um when i was covering the sabrina carpenter show at the factory that's kind of a younger crowd there's this big discourse right now about concert etiquette the way fans are behaving etc sure throwing stuff and Right. So, and what I liked is that um, the policy the security had there, I think, was excellent. Because what I see all too often and what's not getting talked about enough, like the throwing stuff is, is people passing out either because they um, refuse to go get water and lose their spot. Um, so they're hurting themselves because they want to be close to the stage. Or um, maybe it's it's not quite the medical attention they're making it out to be, but they want their um, the artist to notice and talk to them and ask if they're okay. Mm. So um, I was talking a little bit about this with the um, security at the factory, and they're like, oh yeah, if anyone passes out, they get kicked out. Um, they We make sure they need no um, further attention. We make sure they have water and that they're okay. And then they're asked to leave and go home. I'm like, harsh but fair, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, if you can't handle yourself, then you have to learn for the next time somehow. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, And these are all very young people, and I get that like, um, like getting in step with like how to act at a concert there's a bit of a learning curve to it i get it but you do have to learn you, we yeah. don't make excuses for that i mean i've been to toyota um music factory and I, I forget what show it was but it was they were pulling people out of that front like the 20 or 30 kids got dragged out i mean and the good thing is i have seen this in a lot of places where security is giving water to people like which they don't oh, yeah. to do which i which i think is great yeah. um but i also like um 
people at the barricade were treating security like waiters, and I didn't like that. But that's different. Yeah, so, like, you know, if you, yeah, like, honestly, I'm, yeah. again, the, you, just, you already said it, it's like there's concert etiquette in you, there's a mm-hmm. learning curve to it. Yeah, and, I, yeah, I think really, like, yeah, that's kind of the extent to which I would change things. I mean, like, I mean, apart from like and that's the, not a Dallas specific a, a, thing. Apart from like, like the bomb factory in Canton Hall not having the charm that they used to, at least in my opinion. Again, no disrespect to AEG or any of them at all. Like they are great at what they do. They brought in some great shows that I consider to be one of the greatest shows. They're you know, but apart from that. What I would change is mostly, yeah, like concert etiquette. We talk about this a lot. Like there is just like... Because I go to so many younger skewing shows, so I just mm. see it firsthand. I saw Boy Genius at Reset twice in the same song. Uh, people stop the show asking for a medic. Mm. And what I think the artists could... Like, not the artists themselves. I know they mean well, but we just have to like adjust so we're not rewarding certain behavior. I don't think it's the artist's job to do something. No. I don't think the artist should be talking to the fans. I think at most they should be making sure security knows, but they should not be talking to the fans. They should not be stopping the show. Yeah, that's how right I feel. I haven't thought about that, but you're right, mm-hmm. because that's just encouraging people to exactly. do that. Exactly. And, and Boy Genius, like it was interesting seeing that in person because... And I'm not... I would never put this on a specific person. I'm just talking about where this phenomenon began when concerts were first coming back i believe it was viral videos of artists like phoebe bridgers doing a nice and kind thing and making sure people are okay um that went viral Uh, but unfortunately people saw that as an opportunity to get a one-on-one interaction Mm -hmm. yeah that's i mean that's tough because as the artist you don't want to look like a jerk you want to look compassionate but it's like you're 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 doing a job and they're but it's a jerk to the rest of the um yeah audience to stop the show yeah and it's not the artist's job there's other Mm -hmm. people there that can handle that and you know like that we're we're seeing boy genius again um in, in philadelphia <laughs> like we're flying down for that because like no she's like <laughs> super fan <laughs> no she's a big fan of like julian baker and like lucy dacus and all of them so we are just traveling for that um not my, i mean like julian baker like i i met her a couple of times she was really nice um Tell I, the story go ahead brag Oh, okay. Um, So Julian Baker played at Rubber Gloves in 2016. That was her first Texas show. She was um, just starting out whenever she did that. And who booked it? I did. I did. Um, But... No, and then, like, afterwards, like, I went to South by Southwest the day afterwards and, like, ran into a friend group, and Julian Baker was part of that, so we just hung around, like, in Austin for a couple hours, so I got to talk to her. She was really nice. Um, Obviously, I haven't seen her again since then. I mean, I've seen her play since then, but, like, I've never, you know, but, like... That was before, like, this, like, there's a scene right now that's really taken off. So it's, it's like, it used to be called, well, I mean, it's still called this, um, but, like, the sad girl indie music, um, okay. I don't think that's fair. I don't think a lot of these artists you're talking about that's, like, representative of what they're doing. Like, yes, you know, there's, there's sad music, but everyone makes sad music. Sure. Uh the sad 20 year old <laughs> who's um modeled her personality off of phoebe bridgers yeah <laughs> wow you, you can cut that out if you think we're gonna get canceled over it <laughs> i don't even know who these people are <laughs> oh do you not um <laughs> like that's how old and out well, phoebe bridgers is like really like she's huge right now she's, she's uh, was touring with taylor swift featured on a taylor swift song okay. yeah okay. Well. um actually um there is a picture of kendall jenner the other day buying a phoebe bridgers record so like yeah that's like 
it's a it's pretty, pretty big yeah so it's like artists like phoebe bridgers and claro and like i mean people call it the sad girl indie uh-huh. you know but, scene, uh, but, but of the sad girl indie scene boy genius is probably the nirvana Okay. Yeah, so, I would say that's a good comparison. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's like a big sound on like social media on TikTok and everything like that. Like, I mean, but I must have heard it because I do watch video. Real yeah. Stuff, so. No, like yeah. we. I was just telling her this the other day. I was just like, I was listening to like a lot of these people on TikTok with like ukuleles and everything, and I was just telling her this just sounds like Dear Nora. This like. Huh. The, the Dear Nor was a band like 25 years ago that did the exact same thing. I mean, it sounds just like them, but it's like not as good, you know? Huh. It's kind of like how whenever Grunge took off, like before Nirvana got big, like there, it was kind of a niche little movement. Mm-hmm. But then after Nirvana got big, all these Kurt Cobain copycats came right, out. Right. Bush, Creed, yeah. like Candlebox. I don't know, yeah. but. You know, it's funny for me, like, uh, like when I was younger, it was like British, the British invasion. So, like, when, like as I was in bands, I was like, oh, I'm just sick with the British accent. And then I got older, and Bjork became super influential. I swear to God, her like, there's so many American women who sing with an Icelandic accent, like a touch of it, because of Bjork, whether they're aware of it or not. That's actually an interesting observation because that's like, um, it, it's often I've I've heard people talk about that, but they don't mention Bjork or Iceland. They say they either call it. Uh, I've heard it most often called singing in cursive. Oh, okay. So they'll be like, um, you know, some maybe like I think the artist who I think has gotten the most shit for it is probably Halsey. Yeah. And she's improved a lot, but at the very beginning, yes, it sounded like they. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to my kitchen. <laughs> right. I swear. I, yeah. I I give your credit. That's my opinion, but I think mm-hmm. that's where it came from. You guys, we are getting uh, to the end here I, I this went well I think power couples is a thing Even I think so too. I mean yeah. it's no I hope it was okay <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I hope we were powerful enough for yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you guys uh, well, what's what's next where, where can we find you like on on yeah, the internet I mean we'll have links but yeah but oh. if you wanted to say um, I, I'm on I'm on Instagram and I I'm sometimes on TikTok okay and I just deleted Twitter yeah, <laughs> you're about a year behind, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I kept it for research purposes. Okay, fair. That is fair. <laughs> but now I, it's officially like I a dumpster fire. I started angry. Like, I, actually, I dropped it the day before he actually bought it because I was just mad about like the way I was like reacting to trans people. Were just everyone's like piling on trans comments, and I'm like, I guess for real, it's like, oh, the, the the there's no more restrictions. Everyone can just be a jerk now, like to full I, extent. I stayed on. I think. Uh, for a for a while, just to kind of stay connected to things and the people who were on there, and then and then I kind of made um, the choice. I I really wasn't like super active on Instagram socially until the past year or so. I mostly used it for portfolio stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but now that I'm a little more active on Instagram and my and connected to my friends on there, and I'm just like I don't I don't need yeah, this you don't like. Need it. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, hey, again, thanks for coming down. Thank you. I'd like to thank my guests, Carly and Garrett Gravley. Unstoppable by Celine Nerala. You can listen to the Dallas Famous Podcast every week on Deep LM Radio, Sundays and Tuesdays at 1 p.m. And then again on all the podcast places. Thanks again for tuning in.